1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Katie Schaefer's interview with the director of the documentary Half the Picture, Amy Adrian. Action for camera. I felt like I wanted to be a director when I was in high school. And I realized that it was the director role that would really allow me to get every moment right. And I remember, it was
1: so heartbreaking. I just kept going into meetings and meetings. And no, we're not going to accept you into this festival. And no, we're not going to give you money. I thought, OK, it's just me.
0: I'm not good enough. Just got to work harder and be more brilliant. I mean, we're in a bit pretty misogynistic town. It was an environment of sexual favoritism. I don't really want to make movies anymore, you know? Over the past 17 years, the number of women directing has actually declined. Researchers found that directors are overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male.
1: We need the needle to move because this is a civil rights issue. Women aren't being allowed to have opportunities that their
0: male counterparts are getting. It can create an environment in which we feel like our very femaleness is some kind of disability. It's not. It's a strength.
1: Film industry is different. These are people who are in charge of creating our culture.
0: There's so much in the culture that's like quietly telling women that their stories don't matter. And it's really, really powerful when someone says no to that.
1: Hollywood has the ability to deliver dreams to girls and boys around the world of what they can be and what this world can be like. That is the power of story.
0: When you take women, people of color, trans people, and you put them at the center of the story, you change the world, we found out. You just put your head down and you just do it. Exploring contemporary issues through a futuristic lens, I love doing that.
1: Choreographing an action sequence, for me, I love doing that. How does it feel to be the highest grossing woman director right now? I like that. It's a passion.
0: I knew that I could make a movie that would change my life.
1: Is this going to happen? And I remember saying that to a friend. and They're like, that's what happens to all the white boys all the time. Yeah, it can happen.
0: All right. All right. We're good to go, Amy. So we are talking about your film Half the Picture today, and it premiered June 8th, but you brought it out at Sundance. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yes. And how, what was your experience like doing that, bringing it to Sundance? I, I assume this was your first film since this is your first feature.
1: It is. Yeah. This was my first film. Um, but I've worked in the business for a long time. Um, I worked in independent film production. Um, I worked at a distribution company where we would go to Sundance to acquire films. Um, you know, I programmed for a film series when I was a graduate student at UCLA. So I've been to the festival many, many times and just always, you know, looked at all the filmmakers in the festival with starry eyes thinking like, wouldn't it be so great to ever bring a film to this festival? So it was a lot of fun to be there with half the picture.
0: I bet a whole new kind of experience.
1: Yeah. And I have to say it, Um, you know, to be perfectly frank, it was eye opening. And not that I thought it was like, you know, all you know, all parties and fun when you go there, when you bring a film there. But it was certainly educational for me just to see how intense it is and how much work it is when you have a film there. I mean, especially we were, you know, I'm going to guess the lowest budgeted film. You know, our film had the lowest budget out of any film at Sundance. I mean, we really made this in the most indie DIY scrappy way you possibly could. Um, And when you get to a festival like Sundance, you're screening, you know, in the company of um you know films with big movie stars and really established directors and to get anyone to even know about your film you need to really really hustle um and so there was you know we had tons of interviews which was great and there was a lot of interest in the film and we had fantastic screenings um and all of that was really great but it's uh it's it's a lot of work too and you know you're screening your baby in front of an audience for the first time and hoping people connect to it and love it. And all of that is very emotionally intense, I have to say. And um, you know, it was was, uh, an interesting process to go through, but I'm certainly very honored to to have been there.
0: Well, it sounds like it would be very stressful. I totally understand that. Um,
1: And you can't I mean, you cannot complain, though, because I mean, like, It's so, you know, it's just, it's like the Holy grail of like amazing independent film festivals. So I don't want to complain at all. And yes, there is stress, but it's certainly such an honor to be there. And, um, yeah, I, I was, I was very happy to be in that company of filmmakers this year.
0: Exhilarating and intimidating at the same time a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. So Getting into half the picture, so you chose to use more than just filmmakers in your documentary. You also had psychiatrists and some sociologists, and so how did you decide what you wanted to include in your film?
1: I don't know that we had any psychiatrists in our. Or, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we had, I mean, we had professors and research, researchers and educators. Uh, maybe we should have had some psychiatrists for the people like me, indie filmmakers who are no. you know navigating this crazy world. But right. um, I mean, it mostly was, it was, they were journalists and experts and researchers um, at universities who uh, have been very um, much part of this issue of Um, you know, getting the numbers out there and year by year, studying how many women are working in the business and journalists who cover these kinds of issues consistently, like Rebecca Keegan, who was at the LA Times and is now at Vanity Fair and Melissa Silverstein from Women in Hollywood. Um, So, yeah, we wanted some people to kind of who weren't filmmakers to give you a sense of what the landscape looks like and speak from their expertise.
0: Yeah, and that was very interesting. You kind of peppered the film with all of this stuff that's, you know, you give a lot of info about the the directors from their perspective, and then you give just little bits of, yeah, and here's the situation outside of these very personal perspectives where, you know, they say that, you know, personal experience doesn't equal data, but then you also have people to say, well, here's the data for you to show you exactly why the, or at least the, the processes behind why these things happen based on the best research that we have available at the time. Mm -hmm. So was that kind of your goal there to give a little bit of, you know, support that people can't just dismiss by like, oh, well, this is one person's experience.
1: Right. I mean, I would say the film largely um, consists of people's experiences. However, I mean, we certainly center... Um, the women telling their own stories. And that is kind of the heart and soul of the film. But um, you know, you just look at so many examples of, in in so many fields, in so many ways, women's experience is devalued and dismissed. Um, whether it's, you know, the 60 women or it took to bring down Harvey Weinstein when one woman's account wasn't enough. I mean, you see that throughout um you know throughout hollywood and in in different um industries as well that you know it takes a lot of a chorus of women's voices to be believed and um you know we wanted to provide a space for women to tell their own personal stories and that's largely what the film is but yes we did want to give people a sense of the business as these women are working in it and what the numbers look like. And I think, you know, for a general audience, most people, honestly, most people don't even know what a director does really. You know, if you like my, you know, my parents, like, I don't, you know, I don't know that they could tell you what the job of a director really entails. And so, you know, we wanted the film to be, enlightening for a general audience who may not be that familiar with these issues and so they may not know that women are underrepresented as directors they may not know why that matters like why does it matter who directs our movies and tv shows um why is it important to have different perspectives so you know i thought it was important to have those researchers and you know deep thinkers and experts to first of all lay out what the situation is and then also explain why it's so important that you do need to have different perspectives behind the camera and how powerful these images are that travel the world.
0: Right. And that's, I think you succeeded really well in that and giving that because so many of those stories were so personal and it's hard to, you, I personally couldn't just dismiss such things. I mean, i am I'm the target audience for such a thing. I'm you know, I was very aware of what was going on with the Me Too movement, the Time's Up. And even before all of that came out, you know, I never had a, a rosy view of how women were treated in Hollywood. Because, I mean, even if you pay any attention to the industry, which obviously is a critic, I pay a lot of attention. It, you know, you're aware of the specific difficulties that a lot of women face, but their stories really made it real and apparent and true because they speak so much from the heart. And so what inspired you to make the movie? What Why did you decide to devote so much time and energy to something that's a difficult topic to talk about and to get heard?
1: Yeah, well, I, too, have, um, you know, followed this issue very closely. And, and I, you know, whenever there were headlines or new reports or research, I always you know i would always read it and and i was just very aware of these kinds of issues as a as a woman aspiring to be a working director in this business i got my mfa in film directing at ucla and i've been trying to kind of get my narrative films made and you know most of my friends and i are all kind of in this world so we've been very aware of these challenges And then honestly, I was having, I have two young boys. They're now five and eight. And I was having a play date with my good friend from Georgetown who for a long time wrote for Variety and she wrote a book about DreamWorks and she's a journalist who works in entertainment. And we were just talking about this issue and you know the 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 continued research that just showed year after year after year that you know how depressing the numbers were um and at that time the ACLU had taken um on an investigation into what is basically systemic discrimination in hiring and so we were talking about that and you know at, at, it was kind of that conversation that made me think like we should make a movie about this and we kind of started working on this together and just meeting some of the activists and the issue. And she wound up, she has a very full-time job as a journalist um, for a fast company. And so she kind of couldn't stay on the road with me making the film. And I just thought, all right, I'm going to make this. Like this is so important to me. And so much seems to be happening that hasn't happened before. I mean, women have known about these problems and have had these complaints for decades And it hasn't really been addressed. And the ACLU kind of entering this fight as a very legitimate, established legal entity, I think, gave a lot of credence to what these women had been saying for years and years and years. Um, And then after the ACLU's investigation, uh, the U.S. Department of Justice's EEOC got involved, as a government agency, looking into the industry saying, you know, you, you can't just hire one small group of people for a job that many different kinds of people are qualified. And so just those developments seemed like, wow, wait, maybe, maybe something's going to happen here. And that's been really exciting. And, and I just felt compelled, like I have to follow this.
0: Right. And those numbers are absolutely brutal. Like when you hear them, they are really shocking to have, you know, so black and white in front of you. I mean, even just the, the simple fact of something that you could figure out just with a quick Wikipedia search where the Oscars have had 455 nominations for directors and only five of them were women and only one has actually taken on the statue at the end of the night. And was that something that the women in the film uh, the, or the women that you interviewed, excuse me, were aware of? Or was it just kind of their own perspectives that they saw?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they're living it. Yeah, they're definitely aware of it. I mean, these are all really, in the best way, ambitious women. They're creative women. I mean, they want to tell their stories. They want to get their work out there. And they've all really jammed up against these these roadblocks. And many of the women in the film, I'm sure you know, want access to those bigger budgets that get you the ability to make the kinds of films that get nominated for awards. And, um, you know, in so many different aspects of their career, I think they've just been pushing and pushing to have as full a voice in this industry as they can. And, and there's been a lot of pushback against that. So they, they certainly are aware of how difficult this business is and the forces working against them. I mean, I think they all, as people have remarked about the film, which is absolutely true. I mean, they're aware of this stuff. They are not whiners. I mean, the film is certainly not, you know, people sitting and complaining. I mean, these are creators, they're artists, they're fighters, but they, you know, they certainly recognize that there's a lot that they need to fight against that is, very frustrating because making anything, making a film is difficult on its own, you know, without having these additional challenges that women do face, whether it's, you know, just getting your work financed in the first place and having people think that there's going to be a paying audience for f- films that center and are buy-in about women and, um, you know, being, having films largely reviewed by male critics and, you know, trying to get them to, to find the value in your work. and you know, most big film festivals. We, they just announced the slate for the Venice film festival. I think it's one woman directed film and competition out of 20 films. And, you know, that's very indicative of kind of the power structures that are there that women are trying to get their work seen. And there are just a lot of things that are more difficult for women in this business than for men. And, um, And that's really hard to see, especially for these women in the film who I interviewed, who are absolutely my heroes. So many of them are the reason why I got into filmmaking. And that was tough and kind of heartbreaking just to hear how difficult a road each of them has had. And they're great. I mean, they are so great.
0: They are. They are. I was surprised at how many you got. I hope and I think.
1: You, you connect with them in the film and you kind of, I mean, the goal for the film was to kind of make the emotional argument for why this is such a horrible situation. And you do fall in love with these women. I mean, they're funny, they're smart, they're, you know, they're sassy, they're tough. And you just think, wow, I've so connected to this woman in her story. Like she's so capable and so cool. Why has it been so hard for her?
0: Right. I agree. Watching them. It was this whole new perspective. I mean, even though you know that these kinds of things are happening, it's entirely different when you hear them presented from, you know, Ava DuVernay, where she's telling about her personal experiences and the difficulties she's had and what she's done to change it. Like that's, that's, it makes it so real and so visceral. And when you can say, I know that so-and-so had this experience and this is what's contributed to her not being able to make, you know all of the amazing films that I want to see her make because so many of those women that you had were, were like, you know, like you said, heroes, heroes of mine where I want to see these films that they just couldn't get the money to fund or whatever their issues were. And that was what I think made the film so incredibly moving for me personally. So you, one of my favorite things about this movie was that you had brief moments where um, you would enlarge your perspective and you wouldn't see just the typical film documentary where you see the person talking and then they answer a question that you haven't heard. And they're, they're speaking, you would, but you would pan out and we would see the film crew and yourself and hear you talking to them and have this dialogue that's going on. And I was wondering if there's any particular reason you chose to do that, or if it was just how you like the film or what was your thinking behind that?
1: Yeah. That was I mean, that was very intentional for a number of reasons, one of which was, you know, as I said, we um, I mean, for a couple of reasons, we you know, we are a low budgeted film and we don't have a lot of bells and whistles that that a big budget brings you. And I knew from the beginning that if this film was going to connect with anyone, it would have to be authentic and like just authentic real getting past sound bites that maybe some of the women are used to giving because they do a lot of interviews. Um, the goal was always just to like, really feel like you're in the living room with one of your filmmaking idols and you get to, you know, shoot the, I don't know if I can say shoot the shit, but you know, just like, like talk to them and ask them what you want to, you know, what you're curious about, like, you know, woman to woman. Um, So we really just wanted to make it as like chill a set where people could be as real as possible. And we wanted to demystify, you know, the whole filmmaking process. I think some of what people are um, a little bit intimidated by is, you know, just calling themselves a director and feeling like, you know, that's some kind of a haughty thing or something. And you know, we just wanted to show like, here I am as the director and I'm sitting on an Apple box and there's like a black flag to, you know, stop the light and there's the light and here's some people and there are some water bottles over there and here's behind the scenes. And, you know, this is what the nuts and bolts of making a film looks like. And, you know, it's craft and it takes some equipment, but it's not mysterious. It's not magic. Like you too can, you know, get this Crew, to, you know, a crew like this and equipment like this together and make something that you wanted to make. So, you know, we wanted to demystify the process. Um, and we also, you know, the film is largely about women advising other women in this kind of informal network that has been around in Hollywood forever, where women would say, like, oh, you got hired with this producer. Well, watch out because he likes to do this or, you know, don't let him do that or, You know, just these kinds of like ways that people would advise one another as they're moving along in their career from people who've been there, you know, and we wanted to like visually represent that kind of sisterhood. And you see established women who've made films, we all know, sitting in a chair lit with nice lights and behind the, you know, behind the scenes. I'm there and my largely female crew is there and we're kind of like eagerly soaking up all this information and advice and, and, you know, hard won wisdom that these women are willing to share with us. So we wanted to just visually show like, Hey, this is what's happening here. And then, you know, it's such a joy for me to get to distill all of these stories and advice and just, you know, funny tales and and all of this and distill it down into a film and like be able to share this all what these women had to say with the world and that's what I hope half the picture is you know a distillation of all of these really authentic candid incredible conversations with really you know formidable women
0: right and that definitely is what it feels like some of the women would come on screen and I was like oh my god she got she got her to participate. That is amazing. I cannot wait to hear what this person is going to say because it, you know, some of them just don't do a whole lot of interviews or they don't get asked to interview is probably the more likely. And so when they share something so candid, it's so reaffirming because you know that the movies that they made have come from the heart and from their own experiences and that makes it feel more powerful, I guess is what I would say. Um, so how did you decide who you wanted to invite? Did you just send out a mass email or, you know, how'd you do it? How'd you get everybody?
1: Um, I mean, you know, there are always, there's good and bad to everything, right? And the fact that we didn't have an established production company and a lot of money and resources and big name producers and things like that. I mean, there are some limitations with that. Um, but there are also a lot of benefits. And, you know, that includes, we were really able to make the exact film that we wanted to make. And I literally like just, you know, sat for a moment or, you know, a while and just racked my brain about who are the women I love in this business and whose films have influenced me and who do I want to talk to, period. And those are the people who I reached out to. You know, I didn't have anyone saying like, oh, you need to include this person or that person. I mean, certainly people like gave their suggestions, which I welcomed, but it was very much, um, you know, the the, kind of the, the baseline of like who we reached out to was, have I seen and do I love your movies? And so like, it was a very like personal outreach. That said, there are a lot of women who are not in the film, whose films I love, you know, some of whom... I approached and for whatever reason, scheduling reasons, or, you know, they don't want to talk about this. Um, you know, they aren't in the film and there are other women who I absolutely love who, you know, we didn't approach because we wanted to have, you know, a a, a nice, um, representation of different kinds of women filmmakers from different genres and different work, you know, who are different ages and, sexual identities and you know, from different racial groups and just have like a like a really nice representative like group of women. And so there are some women who I felt like we already had that general kind of like, you know, genre represented by a few other voices in the film. So I didn't reach out to them. But um but yeah, I would say, you know, that's a long answer for for a short direct question. But basically it was women who whose work I love and admire. That was like the first, you know, the first criteria. And then secondarily, it was like we, you know, we wanted to make an effort to just make sure different kinds of voices were represented.
0: I can see why. And you really, you know, there were a lot of different, different voices in there. And that was really refreshing to see, because so often that's just not even taken into consideration in these kinds of documentaries. And, Um, so what about your crew? Did you also aim to have a diverse crew while you were filming this?
1: Well, some of it came together. Uh, yes, but some of it, a lot of it came together pretty organically. Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to have, we don't have an all female crew, but we have a largely female crew and I knew for specific roles, I definitely wanted to have women, um, for our, you know, cinematographers, I wanted to work with women for a number of different reasons. I mean, I wanted a woman behind the camera. And I, as I said, I went to film school at UCLA and I just knew so many supremely talented female DPs, many of whom have young kids who weren't working as much, um, maybe as they wanted to work because, you know, because they had young kids at home. So like the the camera part I definitely wanted women behind the camera and that actually came together really easily cuz I just I still have a list of like you know a dozen really incredible women DPs and camera operators so so that um was easy and I I you know it's a mix like often I wanted to find a woman but I also just knew great women for those roles I mean my editor Kate Hackett is incredible our composers Laura Cartman and Nora Kroll Rosenbaum are incredible. I'm so lucky I got to work with them. And these are people that like, even if I wasn't making a film on this topic, I would be honored to, you know, be making another movie with them. So, you know, it was a mix of wanting to look for women for certain roles. And certainly, you know, the numbers for working women composers are even worse than the numbers for working women directors. So, you know, you certainly making a film like this, those things were at the top of my mind also. Like, why not give a woman the opportunity to work on a film like this? And I think when you are, you know, when when that is a consideration, your mind is open to, like, just so many talented people who are out there who may not be the first or second choice, like, if you're, like, lazily, like, thinking about it, you know, but if you're like, I want a woman and make that effort, you discover all these incredible people. Um, and again, some of those, I mean, actually for none of my key roles, I don't think I really had to dig that far (laughs) to find really talented women. I mean, I remember, I love the graphics and the titles in Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th, which is such a powerful film And just the style of that film, the visual style, the cinematography, and also the the graphics and the statistics are present are just gorgeous. And I remember thinking like, oh, maybe I can reach out to the person who did that. And I wasn't, I mean, it would have been great if it was a woman, but um, I was like, let me just see if they would consider working on my low budget thing. And it turns out like one of the chief designers was this woman, Leanne Dare, and she had just struck out on her own. And Uh, Half the picture was like one of the first projects that she did in her, you know, on her own at her own company. And, um, you know, things like that are just great. And you're like, I, I didn't even necessarily like require that that be a woman who did it. But but it
0: was a woman and she's fantastic. But it was a nice coincidence to have for for something like this, I bet.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: So this was your, uh, or first, before I go into more about your own personal ex- experience, so what what was the reaction of the film, Ben, to the film been like?
1: Um, that's been, I mean, it's been great. It's been very humbling. I mean, and again, this is something that I've just been working on for years and years. Um, I mean, compared to some of these, uh, you know, decade-long documentary projects, I feel like I shouldn't complain at all. But I, you know, was working on it full-time for three years, largely in my home office, in my house with my kids running in and fussing and screaming and yelling and, you know, working on it out long into the night. And, you know, just the fact that something that you made in that kind of environment with a lot of other creative, dedicated people but without a lot of resources that you can like make something like this, that goes out into the world and, and reaches and connects with people is so incredible. And after every single screening of the film, You know, I always have people who come up to me and say, like, oh, you know, I have this script that I've been working on and I kind of set it aside, but like, I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to finish my script. I'm going to make my movie. And you're just like, oh my God, that's so amazing. It just like touches my heart so much. And I swear to God, it happens after every single screening. And, you know, you just think of this film can be any kind of inspiration or impetus for people to keep going and know that it's hard, but not impossible. I mean, that's huge. And I've also had people from the industry, you know, really big agents who saw the film at South by Southwest or Sundance um, and big festival programmers and big producers who have seen the film, you know, and, you know, uh, we'll see if it's true or not. But, you know, they said, this is, this has changed how we think about how we do things in our office and how we make priorities. And, you know, if that happens at all, in any case, and and opens up an opportunity for a woman because of that, you know, that's 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 really humbling and and really exciting.
0: I bet that's really awesome to hear that you've had such a positive and you know response to it. That's so great. So you were working on this before the times that movement, before the Me Too, before the Weinstein realizations. Then,
1: yeah, yeah, we started filming in December two thousand fifteen so long before um, Me Too and and all of that stuff. And I have to say, I mean, for so many reasons, I'm so grateful that that movement has happened. And, you know, my heart just goes out to all of these women who have spoken up about their experience, um, which many times is a humiliating experience that no one would wish to recount in public over and over again, to have like, Everyone know about these horrible things that you had to endure, but these women, you know, have spoken up and are speaking up, and that just takes so much guts. I mean, I'm so grateful to them for doing that. And on a very, you know, much less important scale, you know, it it certainly helped our film—not in the interest that our film got necessarily, but just in in making so clear to a general public that these kinds of issues do exist. And I think for a really long time, people assumed that, you know, yeah, there was discrimination in the 70s and, you know, maybe a little bit in the 80s, but people thought that, you know, nowadays this kind of stuff doesn't really happen and maybe women are a little too sensitive or they can't take a joke or maybe they just weren't that talented or, you know, all these ways that we kind of, rationalize why women have not gotten, you know, advanced more in this business, but the Me Too movement just made it very clear that there are a lot of powerful forces that are working against women and women's voices in this business. And you, I mean, you look at the Les Moonves thing that just came out. I mean, here's a guy who is at the top, top of his game who makes 60 whatever million dollars a year for CBS and is extremely powerful. And CBS has a long running history of not having shows that have women protagonists or women creators or women writers or women producers. And you think, well, this guy's running the show. Does that is it that difficult to wrap your head around how, you know, CBS doesn't value women's stories? So, you know, those movements certainly, I think, have made a general public much more aware you know, these challenges that women face in the business. And I think the good part of that is there's a little bit less blaming the victim of, well, I'm sure if she was talented, she would be making movies or she'd have a TV show on TV. It's like, well,
0: I don't know. You know? Right. america's Americans always consider ourselves, you know, it's, it's the ultimate in meritocracy in this country. And that's, it's just, you know that the movement and your film have helped show that that's just not not the case. It's not the case for anyone, but it's particularly not the case for women in Hollywood. It's not <laughs> nearly so simple or clear cut for us
1: and that's and I would say it's like it's so understandable. I mean, it's just like a very deep human you know need to assume and think and believe that things are a meritocracy because it's very unsettling to think otherwise, you know, and it's just easier to say, like, Well, maybe women haven't been nominated for Academy Awards because they don't make good movies like that's, you know, a lot of people you look on, you know, forums online and that's what people say. And I think that's very natural to think that way. But it takes a little bit of digging to see the kind of environment that people are working in to understand what's really happening. But it is it's it's unsettling to be aware of. Right. You know, these forces at work.
0: We always want to think that things it's it's much easier to assume that things are better than they are or and just, oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Because, you know, if you discover it's not fine or if you take time and effort to dig in, then what does that mean? And how does that affect your viewing? And, you know, lots of complicated questions when it's really a lot easier to just say, well, I'm sure it's fine. I'm just going to go to the movies tonight, and not worry about it. And right. You know, if we're all more aware, that's how we make it better. Right.
1: Right. And it takes a little bit more work. And, um, and yeah, I think it's also human nature to think that, okay, maybe it's bad now, but we're on the road to getting better. And that's not even true. And that's for me been particularly frustrating in that, I mean, even with this ACLU investigation, even with the U S department of justice investigating all the studios who they have found to be um, breaking the law in, in, discriminating systemically in their hiring practices. You know, the, the studios, Hollywood, knows that these investigations are going on and they still haven't changed their hiring practices. I mean, the Dr. Stacy Smith and the inclusionists at USC just released their latest study, I want to say yesterday or the day before, and you know, the end of July, early August. Um, and the numbers for last year are just as bad as they were the year before, the year before that as they were 20 years ago. And you just think really with all this talk and all this awareness and all this activism, the numbers are still, you know, for women directors at 4%. Right. So men direct 96% of movies right. still last year. And you're like, Oh my God. Like what is it? I mean, that just shows you like, what is it going to take? It's not lack of awareness. It's lack of will. Right. Right. It's people being very invested in the status quo and not wanting to change.
0: Right, because it's easier. It's easier to stay the same than to try to find a new way to do something and push forward and give more people a chance.
1: And there's a lot of people in power now. I mean, the less moon is, I mean, you think that guy wants to leave and not make $65 million a year and run a network and be successful and have respect
0: and be feted and be given awards? Like, who would not want that job? Right, he wants to be the decider as you know that's a natural and totally understandable thing but it it's damaging to society and to film to limit so limit that kind of stuff so narrowly to one person's perspective
1: right but the people who are in power are very happy with their positions and i'm sure generally speaking support diversity and representation. But when it comes to wait, you mean I'm not going to make the salary I'm making or I don't get the chance to direct that Marvel movie or, you know, suddenly people dig in their heels. And I just think you need to be practical about the fact that that's there. You know, I think sometimes we get a little bit in this like we're going to make a change mindset, which you have to have if, if you're a creator and you need to you need to be optimistic, I think. But you also can't underestimate the, you know, the, the people in power who are fighting like hell to hold on to the power and control and respect and money that they currently
0: have. Right. Exactly. Um, so on to your perspectives and your experiences. So this was your first feature length, like we said. So has this been a different was it different than making your short films?
1: Like just a million, billion, trillion times different, but for so many reasons. I mean, it was just like a deeper dive. It was a, it was just a fuller expression of something. It, you know, it was all these, at all these great festivals and it has been sold and, you know, we have distribution and I, it's been an, a wonderful process, but just a huge education for me. I mean, I've made short films that played at really good festivals and you know, won some awards, and I won a Directors Guild award, but like you do that, and you're like, "Okay, that's fun, and that's great. I'm trying to like you know make something happen out of it." But this was much a totally different experience, um and very fulfilling and very challenging, and I learned a lot, and there was also just a huge sense of responsibility in taking on this topic at all, which, to be honest, was a little scary. I mean, as I said, the women who we interview in the film are absolutely my heroes. And so, you know, to make a film that incorporates their voices and want to do right by their stories, you know, that was just I certainly felt that responsibility and and wanted to make something that they would love and that they would be proud of. And um, so just the whole process was, you know, very different than anything I'd ever done before. And, you know, with so many people's first features, whether it's narrative or doc or about a social justice issue or about, you know, a broad comedy or whatever, you know it's definitely like trial by fire. You learn so much. And, um, and I certainly did making this film.
0: Uh, So has your experience been in Hollywood? I mean, I've seen that you've done, you know, you've been a producer director, you've been kind of all around in the world of making films. Is it, has your experience in Hollywood been similar to kind of what's portrayed on screen, or on your movie rather?
1: Yeah, in some ways, yes. I mean, I feel like in some of these Q&As that I've done with the film, I've had questions that are basically asking, like, what my experience in the business has been and if I had a certain experience that, like, really made me want to make this film. Um, I think with the kind of... uh, Basically, they're asking, like, has anything, like, really bad happened to you or have have you had, like, a, you know, a a really, you know, difficult experience in the industry? And honestly, I haven't. You know, I've worked in film. I love film. I have been so appreciative of the opportunity to work in different facets of this industry. But I would say what I have faced that many of the directors in the film have faced is just, you know, having your work being devalued or seeing it as niche or, you know, a genre unto itself, if it deals with women or centers women you know, many of the women in the film have dealt with that. And certainly like that was a challenge with this, with this project, kind of convincing people that there's an audience. You take a film like this to Sundance and, you know, the reviewers for the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and Deadline and, you know, they're all white guys. And, you know, you're just hoping like, oh, are they going to see why this film is special? Are they going to feel it like the way that I feel it? And when you're selling the film, you know, there's a lot of, Indie film buyers at Sundance and it's a lot of guys and you're, you know, you're hoping that they see what's special about your project. And certainly the women in the film have faced all those kinds of things. I mean, so I can't say I I personally have had any, I have not experienced sexual harassment in the industry, you know, nothing like that, but I've experienced discrimination and and, in not having my ideas valued or, you know, not being respected as a director or things like that.
0: Right. The all too common things that women deal with where, you know, you're, you say an idea and then a man says it and, oh yeah, that's a great idea. When everybody ignores your ideas, right. you know, when you said them two seconds beforehand, you know, all, I think most women have dealt with that in the, in any business, regardless of how, how close you are to the top. It's always, it's always a challenge to be really heard. I think is, is a, yeah. You know, fairly universe,
1: And, you know, many of the women in the film also talk about their challenges, raising, raising money. And I mean, really, I think the biggest challenge I would say for women in the business, it's, it's money, it's access to financing. And for so many reasons, that's harder for women, whether it's not being in those networks where, you know, you know, uh, hedge fund guys, or, you know, investors in independent film or bigger films, um, you know, maybe some hesitation women have for talking about money, asking for money, asking for the money they need. I think that's a, probably a very small part of it. And just having people, you know, disregard the value of women's work and women's stories so that it's just always harder to like get that money, you know? Um, Money is always a challenge. Yeah. And it's a little frustrating. I understand it, but it's also a little frustrating. I feel like, you know, some of the conversation about the challenges these days, you know, people say like, just, you know, no one's holding you back. Just pick up an iPhone and make a feature. And, you know, the Tangerine guys did it and you're like, yeah, film was amazing. And, you know, yes, the technology, the the bar for, you know, entry is lower and the technology is cheaper and it's there and we all need to take advantage of that. Um, But I feel like a little bit that like, you know, throws throws the blame on women for like, well, why haven't you gotten further when I just know so many women, I'm in a lot of women director groups here in Los Angeles. I know so many women who've like killed themselves to make that, you know, their first feature film. And then they like killed themselves again to make their second feature film. And everyone's doing it for favors and you're hustling, you can't pay anyone their real rate. And, you know, and then you're like, hustling to make that third feature film. And like, you know, the films play at festivals and even films that find some su- success. It's just harder for women to graduate from that to being a paid working director in the business, whether that's TV or film. And that road just is easier and the wheels are greased for, for white men to take that road. And for women, it's just, it's just harder.
0: Right. There's always, you know, there's always more challenges to overcome and, You know, having, you know, I've seen Tangerine and I know exactly what you're saying, but like the idea that all he did was just go out film with his iPhone and then do a little garage band or whatever with it. And oh, good to go. And that's how the film came out is just such a, that's, I think, a lack of information on exactly how difficult and how much money it takes. And just this, you know, just buying lights, just buying a light so that your, your shot looks right is not a cheap thing to do. And it takes energy and it's just, Feeding your crew, you know, even if you're not paying them at all, right, you, still <laughs> like, to them. you still have Otherwise to they get hangry. Yes, as they should. Right, right. So do you have anything else that you're planning on making? Are there any ideas that you're thinking that's what you're going to do next? Kind of what's what's in your future here?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, a few different things. I'm working on a script now that's about a high school girls' basketball team in New Jersey, um, kind of based on my experience loosely. But I, I say it's kind of like clerks meets Hoosiers because it's kind of like foul mouthed Jersey girls mixed with, you know, a sports uh, coming of age film. So I'm, I'm working on that script now, a narrative very different from half the picture. And I'm also looking into so many other avenues to find work as a director. So, you know, you know, I feel like it's kind of the dirty secret of independent film that, you know, the days of taking your film to Sundance and, you know, that kind of set you on the road as a, as making your living as an independent film director are long gone. You know, those are from the nineties and so many directors, even, you know, established directors, they direct branded content and commercials and TV and, you know, things that um, can pay your bills and also give you the opportunity to to stretch stretch your creative muscles and work on something that's like a more limited project as opposed to something that takes three years of your life. So, um, I'm also exploring lots of those things too, because, you know i I really did have such a kind of charmed and fulfilling experience on this film. I do have my eye on things big picture down the road, but I also just want to get on set directing again kind of as soon as I can. So I'm I'm looking at some of those other, you know, those other opportunities, too.
0: Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to see what you come out with next. I really, really enjoyed half the picture. Like, I'm sure you've heard from other people. This was definitely something. It felt very timely. It felt. Uh, very deep and seeing women whose movies I've watched and some of which I've, you know, I've never seen them give interviews before. It was so rewarding to see on screen and have them talking about their experiences. So I really thank you so much for bringing that out for everybody to be able to see. This is something I can say, Hey, look at this great documentary. That's, you know, I've already told a couple critic friends about it. And every single one has been, Ooh, that sounds great. I got to get that. So Good. you the word, made girl. something really special, right? <laughs> exactly. You made something really special here. So, I oh, was wow. very special. I appreciate it. Thank and you very much. Thank you so much for your time today, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah,
1: it was great talking to you. Thank you so much.
0: Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Katie Shaper's interview with the director of Half the Picture amy Adrian. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, and also on Castbox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and also subscribe to our Patreon channel where for $1 minimum a month, you get some exclusive podcast content. Thank you so much for listening and we shall see you all next time.